Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, talk shoes a bit slow today. Hi, everyone. It's Janet with the mentor group uh, for this week. Uh, we may have Nikki joining us at uh, quarter past the hour because um, Nikki was originally assigned to this group and um, uh, we're going to see if we can find her a better time because this time slot's really awkward for her with little kids. Because um, she and I are both in Australia and at the moment it's nine o'clock and by the beginning of April it will be eight o'clock. So she can make it by quarter past nine but making it at eight o'clock, not going to happen. So. Um, Lisa's going to organise another group, but I've said to Nikki that she's more than welcome to come and sit with us, you know, for this week. And uh, if she so, if she comes at quarter past, I'll also let her know that she can. She's welcome to keep coming with us until she makes the changeover. So uh, today's topic, uh, which is one I just chose, not at random completely, because it has been up for me, but uh, it's about dropping resistance. And I thought what would be fun to look at is not just how we drop it, but how we recognize that we need to drop it and out, arising out of that, how that then flows on to benefit our clients and how we... So that so I don't want to just think about, you know, what do we do when a client is showing resistance, but how do we uh, how do we recognize it and, and what do we do with it? And um, uh, Melissa, because you're new here, I'm not going to ask you first. <laughs> that might change. Um, but what I normally do is to kind of go around the circle and just get some insights from people and then we just have a basically a kind of free-for-all discussion. So Melanie, your thoughts on, I know you use the body compass, but um, what, uh, what I'm interested in particularly is not so much what, what do we do once we've recognized resistance, but how do we recognize it in the first place? Because in my experience from my clients, the thing that catches them out, and certainly for me, from my own personal experience, the thing that catches me out is when I, it takes, sometimes it takes me a while to recognize that I'm in resistance. Uh, and I wondered what strategies you've got for that and, and any, you know, any thoughts you have on the topic generally. Okay. Um, I'm going to say something that I think it is, and then I'm going to tell you where I'm at with it. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I you. think that, we recognize resistance when we're in pain, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We experience pain. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that and I have to, to also say that I am right smack dab in the middle of this. I was just writing on a client's um, manuscript about this, about how resistance comes up. And I've been talking with Jeanette about this too. Um, and how, you know, saying yes to something means saying no to a whole lot of other things, right? Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, like we've been talking about how, you know, the the movie um, Yes Man with Jim Carrey. um, Oh, right, yes. (laughs) 
so we've been talking about what if you just said yes to everything, and I love that idea, and I love the premise of the movie. I mean, even if it wasn't, like, the most spectacular film ever made, the premise sure. of that movie is really, really powerful. Like, just saying yes, but, but even when you say yes, you have to say no to something else, right? Exactly. So I know that doesn't... It, it kind of ties into resistance, but I can't quite figure out how. You know, that, that that no, is it resistance? You know, what can you say yes to in the, in the really tough stuff? Like, if, yeah. you're, if you're feeling physical pain, how can you say yes to that? But I think that we are aware of our resistance because we are in some form of pain. Yes. I think that's a really, I think that's a really, um, a lucid way of putting it. I think that's, and I, I agree with you. I think that the, when we kind of go back to the most basic thing of all, resistance, you know, it's that thing when we go back to LOA 101 um, where on any subject we've got the thing we desire and we've got the lack of what we desire and and how we feel tells us what which end of the spectrum we're focused on. And we move between, on some subjects we move between the two uh, and we kind of slide backwards and forwards. Uh, and so when we're feeling the lack of what it is that we desire, we feel resistance. And that is, and, and that's the pain. Uh, the, and I, I think you're right that the, the res, it's the resistance that is actually the cause of the pain because it's a pulling away from that thing that we, we're vibrationally, um, it's uh, Abraham puts it. Uh, there was a nice, there was a nice metaphor that that Abraham Hicks used a while back, which was the idea that you've got on the one side, I'm gesturing with my hands. I wish you could see me. Oh no, I don't because I have any makeup on. But anyway, um, on the one side, you've got the thing that you desire, and it's you know your desire has created it, it vibrationally already, so it's pulling you towards it, and you're still hanging on by your focus to the lack of what you desire, and that. And that that pull, the more you, the more tightly you cling to the, the your focus on the lack of what you desire, the more painful it becomes because that pull is so strong. And the minute you let go, and you know you 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 are immediately drawn to the reality that's a match for that. Um, oh, Nikki's just joined us in chat. Hi, Nikki. Um, uh, we're talking about dropping resistance today, and uh, I don't know if you saw my email. Uh, I sent you an email a couple of hours ago to say. Uh, that Lisa is going to find you a group with a better time and for the time being you're more than welcome to join us here as well until that change ever happens. So, hi Nikki, I'm waving. Um, so yeah, that idea of that pain is our indicator of resistance, I think that's that's that nails it. And I love what you're raising, Melanie, about this idea of if we say yes to something then we are probably saying no. Most of the time we're saying no to a bunch of other stuff. We're kind of we're collapsing reality. You know that sense in quantum physics where it's not until the observer looks that the electron decides where it is. Until mm -hmm. an observer looks at it, an electron can be anywhere. <laughs> it kind of blows yeah. me away. Yeah. So it's not until we say yes to one thing that we're collapsing reality in to match that thing we're saying yes to. And that's why intellectually it feels so weird to say, yeah, what if I said yes to... Um, hang on, I'm just... Uh, hey Nikki, you're on the line now. Cool. Sorry, I just yes, got a bit of an echo. I... Sorry, yep, can no, you good. hear me? Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We can hear you. All right, cool. Okay. So, in sorry, intellectually, yeah. 
You're okay now. We've, it's all right. There was a little bit of echo while the talk she was catching up with the fact that you were on the call. So we're all good now. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so there's like a, it feels Sorry, bad. It feels, it feels kind of weird to say something like, I'm in pain. How do I say yes to pain? How do I, and, and, and it's the dropping of resistance that actually reduces the pain. If, if any of us have experienced physical pain and really done this, it, it, it actually does work. If you put your focus in the very centre of the physical pain and simply allow it and drop the resistance to it, drop the fear of pain, drop the, the, the anxiety about what does this pain mean. You know, it's like when you get a headache. <laughs> I, I used to suffer with headaches a lot. And, oh my God, the number of different stories I had about why they might have a headache. It could be, you know, I'm so stressed, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. Or it could be, I've got a brain tumor. Or it could be, God knows what else. Uh, once that, if, you, if by letting go of all those stories, by letting go of my fear about what the pain meant, all the rest of it, I, I, can, I can reduce a, pain, a physical pain by about at least half just by doing that, which then in turn makes it much easier to deal with. And, and it's so counterintuitive to do that. It really say, is. That's, that's what was brought up in this writing that I was reviewing was um, oh. Anita Morjani. Um, do you know Anita Morjani? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I someone was talking Oh, someone was talking about, I mean, she had crazy, crazy, crazy cancer, like literally yes. a, a day to live. And it feels like in, in her work, her book is Dying to Be Me, it feels like in her yeah. work she has literally gone into that pain, into the cancer, into the pain so deeply that she actually heals it. And this client was talking about how her husband died of cancer and how he was really struggling with the fact that he wasn't going to be, I mean, he was, he was resisting is, is the long, the short of it. Right. And I mean, I'm not saying that everyone who, you know, has cancer can just simply go into it and be healed. I mean, I think there's, there's a whole conversation that could be had around that, but it was so powerful to think about it in terms of physical pain, because you're right. It's really, really hard to go into it and say, yeah, like I suffer from rheumatoid arthritis and I cannot get there. Like, yeah, I, I just, you know, I can't even identify myself with someone who has rheumatoid arthritis. So I'm clearly resisting in every possible sense. Sorry, I just muted myself again. I uh, just muted my microphone. I had some background noise. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But I, I think there's some some interesting stuff to play around with here. The, the idea of, because it ties in with this idea of labels, if we're looking at resistance when it comes to things like diagnoses or circumstances, it's really easy to kind of suddenly see, it's like, particularly with a diagnosis, it's not only there, but somebody who's got a, a difficult circumstance, like, uh, a, you know, a, 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 I don't know, say bankrupt, a bankruptcy claim or... Uh, uh, a, a unem sudden unemployment <clears throat> it's really easy for us because this is how our culture works to whack a label on it and say I am a person with rheumatoid arthritis or I am a person with blah 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 and we resist those labels because we you know we we don't want that kind of label either well either we resist a label or we 
surrender to it so much that it defines us and I think that's where we have to get a bit creative so we might say um, <clears throat> depression is a really good example of this I was in a conversation this morning with somebody who has a diagnosis of depression and she was talking about how disempowering she felt it she initially found it and how she's teasing it out for herself this idea of I I'm not a person with depression I am a person, I'm a powerful person who has depressive um, episodes. Mm. And how that, that subtle distinction, instead of labeling herself as somebody with depression, of choosing her label, choosing the label she wants, and then dropping any resistance to the idea that from time to time she has depressive episodes. And I think that there's something to be learnt there about resistance as well. The, the idea that if we have, you know, if it's a bankruptcy claim, I am a powerful person who is currently going through a bankruptcy claim or uh, I'm a powerful person who is having a, a painful episode in my joints or whatever it might be. And that, that, that sense of where do, we, where do we find the boundaries around resistance and, and how we surrender to everything, how we say yes to everything without it sort of feeling like it's a disempowerment. So thank you for introducing that uh, dimension to the conversation, Melanie. I think that's really powerful stuff. Yeah, thank you. I just got a lot out of what you just said. Cool, thank you. Well, like I said, it came out of this conversation I had with someone this morning, so credit to them as well. <laughs> well, that's the um, magic, isn't it? That we're always like, yeah. I just literally finished editing this thing that was about resistance, and you're you know, having <laughs> conversations about it. I love the magic. It is magic. It is magic. Okay. Oh, look, we've got heaps of people on the call now. Um, now, Melissa, I know uh, everybody who's just joined us, uh, Nikki is sitting in with us for the time being until her new group. She's going to um, move to another group with a better time slot. And we have Melissa joining us. Uh, and Melissa has to go early. So, um, uh, And Arizona's just joined us. Who's that in Arizona? That's Mary. Mary. That's Mary. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mary. How are you going? Hi. I'm good. Um, Thank you. I apologize for being late. Oh, no, 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 that's cool. That's all fine. Um, uh, so uh, Melissa has to go early. So before she has to dive off the call, I wanted to see, Melissa, do you have some thoughts around this topic and, um, and anything to do with the idea of resistance and how you manage it or how you help your clients manage it? We haven't really got to know you yet or how far along you are with your practice and your business yet. So um, if you want to do a little pre ramble about that. Okay. Thank you, great too. Um, Go sure. for it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm pretty new with uh, GBCA. I actually, like I signed up for the courses last year. Um, I started and like during the first like lesson, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm way in over my head here because I had just gotten involved with LOA and all of that, and I was like, this is way beyond me. I need some time to, like, you know, study this a little yeah. bit more before I get into this. So it's been about a year since then, and I've had some time to look into it more myself, and I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with jumping into it now. Awesome. Um, so I don't have a coaching practice, but I'm a massage therapist. So oh, cool. that's um, oh, something wow. that I... Yeah, and um, it's something I kind of want to, you know, people 
talks to me a lot in yeah. my practice. So I want to yeah. be able to, you know, listen and give positive feedback and kind of incorporate this in my practice. Um, Absolutely. And I'm willing to bet that you're already doing coaching with your clients. I mean, you can't do massage therapy and not already be in some ways a coach. Do you know what I mean? It's, right, um, yeah. I think it goes to territory. And you must have, I mean, massage therapy, I would imagine that you encounter physical resistance or the physical the physical traces of resistance. Oh, yeah. 24-7, yeah. pretty much, or at least oh, all day long with your work. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people hold their their stress and tension in their bodies, and that's something that's absolutely amazing to me because I get the chance to, you know, kind of feel where they're holding their stress and then help release wow. that physically and then see the change emotionally and mentally as well. Um so I guess for me that's that's one major way to get around the resistance issue is to bring it into like a physical sense and release your physical resistance. That's awesome. That's really powerful. And I, I you know, I think um I know that because Melanie uses a body compass in her work as well and I think that sometimes we underestimate the importance of that relationship between um you know the mind, body, and spirit. Um, even those of us who are regular LOA people, well, I can certainly talk for myself. I, it's really easy for me to be all in my head and and not really be conscious of my body until something makes me notice. You know, I see my reflection and I realise that my shoulders are up around my ears. <laughs> That's often a sign. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe I should have a camera set up on my computer to take a snapshot and show it to me every 15 minutes <laughs> to remind me. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you for that, Melissa. Um, so, Nikki, did you have any particular things you want to add to the conversation about resistance? Um, hi, or everyone. resistance? Yes. Um, in, in my experience with resistance with myself, I've noticed if ever I have a dialogue going on um, where I'm not giving myself enough love or saying and feeling that I'm awesome or not forgiving myself enough, um, I can feel that resistance come up uh, in the form of, you know, anxious feelings or um, fearful feelings at times or, or just plain sad. And, and that's most of the time when I go back to why am I feeling like this and why am I getting this resistance, it's because this not very good dialogue is happening between me and myself, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So when that happens, what strategies do you use to, to kind of get back on track and to and to let the resistance go? Yeah. Um, what gets you back one, to that? Sure. Uh, one of the first things I I do is, just use like a simple affirmation to get myself out of it and because life is still happening around you you're doing the rest of the real work yes. <laughs> uh, you know simultaneously you have to just snap out of that sort of resistance and so affirmation tends to help me uh, get out of it until I find enough time to rebalance and you know become quiet and silent and probably hear a, a, a better message but initially I just just use affirmation, and I feel considerably better just using that. That's awesome. So, do you have a particular one that's a, a go-to favorite, or do you mix it up a bit? 
uh, I mix it up. But yeah, mostly it's I'm awesome. I just keep saying I'm awesome. I'm fantastic. <laughs> and the I Good. am seems like help. <laughs> so it's simple. <laughs> yeah. And I like that reminder that sometimes you're right because sometimes we're in the thick of it. You know, it's like we're right dealing with the juicy, meaty piece of life that's kind of mm-hmm. jam-packed with opportunities for resistance and, and self-criticism. And um, if we've got something that's like a first aid triage that will at least get us back to something resembling stability and then we can and then we can come back later and in, when there's some peace and quiet and do whatever the work is that we need to do I think that's a really good insight and and something that's really I mean I I I have a couple of things like that that I use with my that I teach my clients for for the same reason to sort of go you don't have to stop what you're doing and then go and meditate for an hour right there and then but you do have to have something um one of the things that I teach my clients that I really that I found really helpful especially if it's to do with other people is just mm-hmm. to be able to say silently to themselves nobody gets the credit for how I feel um okay. and there's a, you know it's like if you could just that moment of relief that's a sign any any time we feel relief it's a sign that we're dropping resistance and moving back towards it's that better feeling thought thing and so anything any little yeah I really like that idea of using an affirmation or a mantra of some kind just a short um, a short phrase or sentence that's really smart thanks for that Nikki um, and as you, as you get to know yourself sorry as you get to know yourself a little bit more you realize that uh, if, if it seems that you're really getting a huge amount of relief by just saying something as simple as that you're awesome, then there must be that must be what's triggering all the resistance. You know that, that feeling yeah. of not feeling that good about yourself, and yeah, so that I, yeah, I think that relief is important. <laughs> Absolutely, and and you're right, you're right as well. I think there is um. I, I'm not sure that there's anybody on the planet who does self-love perfectly. I, I think we're, we're so habituated to self-criticism as a way of growth that even those of us, you know, um, maybe there's three people on the planet who've got this mastered, but um, uh, there's all, I think there's always room for improvement when it comes to self-love. <clears throat> and, um, and it's kind of comforting in a way because I don't know about you guys, but there's a sort of meta criticism that can evolve as well where um you know you you realize you're beating yourself up and then you criticize yourself for beating yourself up and it's kind of mad (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so so i think that's something worth remembering is this idea that uh, and like i said for me it's really comforting to go to remind myself that if i'm not flowing perfect self-love that's okay too you know, I don't want to resist that as well because I've already got enough resistance going on. I don't want to start resisting the fact that I'm not good enough at self-love yet because that would be just kind of mad. But I do it all the time. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not um, it's not unusual. Uh, yeah, cool. Thank you for that, Maniki. Um, Mary, did you have some thoughts you wanted to um, to add to the mix? Uh, I'm pretty much in the same place as everyone else. I, I can feel a resistance in my body, and I've been really noticing it more since I uh, joined GVU and and started to take time to notice what was just I was numb to from from yeah. the neck down, 
And so yeah. uh, I can feel it pretty quickly, and um, sometimes I ignore it because I'm running too fast. But when I can, and it's yeah. so much more than it was before, I can check in and I can figure pretty much figure out what the thought is. I scream pretty loudly to myself, so it's not real <laughs> difficult to figure out what's going on. And I can pull it back usually and either just take it with a deep breath and stop it and go for a better feeling thought. But if it's a really twisty one, a really hard one, I'll go with Byron Katie's The Work because we do a lot of that. I'm a Martha Beck coach. We do a lot of that in the Martha Beck. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that helps me to question the thought and to play with it a little bit. And I can feel, I start to feel the resistance go away because is, the awareness for me is a better feeling thought than the, the numbness. And then yeah. from there I can break it into something that makes me feel even a little bit better. So that always helps. That's awesome. Yeah, it's an interesting one, the whole thing with feelings, because, um, you know, the, um, it's very... It's a tempting thing to get caught up in the idea that certain feelings are in and of themselves bad, and we should and we should not experience them. And that becomes a form of resistance too. So it's that thing of going of allowing ourselves to, you know, own and honour the feelings, and then let them go. Um, and I think that awareness, obviously, awareness is the first step. Always, I mean, with everything, it, it always begins with awareness. Um, so, yeah, that's another one that I find really interesting with my clients is that people will come to me and sort of say, "Oh, I, I, you know, I try not to feel angry," and it's like, well, if your boundaries are being breached, then that's what anger is for. It's a, it's a, it's a correct emotion for that circumstance. It's about feeling it and letting it go, not about suppressing it. So, I think that's you know, when when we're talking about resistance and emotions, there's some really interesting discernment um, to bring to that conversation as well. I love that whole emotion piece too, because that's really very new for me, and I mean new in the, like the last couple of years, but intensifying yeah. now. Where yeah, it was, and and I was more, I was into the whole law of attraction, you know, watching your thought thing. What I thought I was supposed to be doing was watching my thoughts and not feeling them, and Boy, yeah. is that an amazing difference! Just going there Big for the you know minute or two that it takes to pass yeah. through your body and allowing it to be there. I'm I'm kind of a kind of a, an evangelist for that lately. When people are like, "Oh, I shouldn't feel that way," I'm jumping all over that and helping people to feel it. Wait, wait, feel that, will you? That's great. Exactly. Well, I can tell you guys, my very first experience of talking one on one with Jeanette was. Uh, some years ago now, it was before GBU was founded, and um, uh, I turned up for a, a, a coaching session, the first time ever, and I was sobbing. I was in so much pain, and I was convinced I had nothing to offer the world. I mean, you don't want to know the details, but I, I and I heard myself say, "I just can't be happy, and I'm never going to make law of attraction work." And Jeanette gave me an instruction that my homework was that I was not allowed to feel happy for two weeks. All I was allowed to do was feel relief. She said, I don't care what the feeling is that brings relief, but you get to relief however you can. And if that means running around the house swearing your head off and you know, kicking the walls, you do that, um, whatever it takes to feel relief, but you're not allowed to be happy for two weeks. I am not kidding. Within three days, I was in ecstasy. It was so funny and I had to email her and say, I couldn't do the homework. <laughs> I oh, no. 
I, I couldn't stay out of happy because all I did was allow the feelings, finally allow and honor the feelings that I was feeling instead of resisting them. And it was such a powerful demonstration to me of the power of letting the resistance drop that, um, uh, yeah, you're right, Mary, I became, I became a bit of an evangelist for that feel the feelings as well. Um, but it is that thing of that, it's that also really important to know the difference between feeling the feelings and letting them go. And those moments where, because, you know, we can get addicted to a feeling and if we've had a particular emotion at play over and over and over again, uh, then feeling the feelings is, you know, it, that will reveal itself to us when we start dropping resistance to the feelings because we'll get this one that comes up again and again and again and it won't go, um, which is why I teach vibration rehab because occasionally people get stuck in that in that thing. Um, and... Yeah, so it's it's always interesting to me about the that relationship between resistance and feelings and how feelings are used within law of attraction world, um, and and very often I think misunderstood. You know, it's like as though feeling bad would be a barrier. It's as though it's, I I have to say I've had conversations with clients where it's almost as though they think that. If they have a bad feeling, universe is going to punish them and not bring them their stuff because of the bad feeling. And it's like it's such a sad way to kind of view the world. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I noticed Melissa's had to go. I didn't. I was talking, so she didn't get a chance to say goodbye. So bye bye, Melissa. Well, we'll let you. We'll send you the recording so you get to hear the rest of it. Um, so, um, what other thoughts do people have about? Or what does this raise about the whole idea of dropping resistance and particularly the sorts of things that you'll be teaching your clients or that you already do teach your clients depending on where you're at? Who'd like to dive in first? <laughs> Don't all speak at once. This is Melanie. Um, well, I love the, the exercise that you just shared, that Jeanette shared about not being allowed to feel happy. Like, I... You know, it reminds me of that. Sometimes the better feeling thought is this sucks. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah. I want to use this with the client that I was just doing her book stuff. I, I think this would be an amazing exercise. Cool. Cool. And like I said, uh, two weeks. Because <laughs> when she gave it to me, I thought, oh, that feels like such relief. And then after three days, I'm like, I can't do this for two weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling happy. I've, you know, and I really... <laughs> It was a trick homework, you know, obviously. But, yeah, um, and it was it just having that permission from someone else to feel what I was feeling, that's all it took. Uh, well, what does it take, me. like, 90 seconds for an emotion to pass through if we really feel it? Yeah. I mean, you said, like it in the beginning, yeah. you said it in the beginning of the call when you were saying to go to the center of the physical pain. Yeah, it's the same with emotional pain. It's just, if you can go to the center of it and really feel it for ninety seconds, or however long that is, it's it's that's it. If you're bumbling yeah. around the eye of the center like in a tornado, I mean you're yes. you're you know you're bouncing all over the place. It's painful. Of course, and and the I mean I'm 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 guessing that you're a fan of Tom Stone's work because you're using the same sort of language that he uses. I don't um, know him. Oh really? Oh cool. No, oh, tell I'll me more. 
Um, I'll see if I can find the link. Um, I, he he does a um, the way that he approaches this is he says the reason that we are so frightened of powerful emotions is that. Uh, and it really makes so much sense. He says, you know, when, when we're born as infants, we, we have about, I can't remember the, the, the exact stats, but we have, a, we have so few neural pathways initially. We don't have the, the brain wiring yet to be able to handle strong emotion. That's why you see three-year-olds having complete meltdowns in I the grocery store. I know this. I've, I've said this exact same thing, but I didn't know where yeah. it came from. Yeah. Where, yeah. where I don't so, know if I learned it from Martha or what, but this is awesome. I, okay, yeah. I'm going to be looking yeah. him up. Yeah, so um, I do have an MP3 file, which I will try and track down, which is a, and again, I got this from Jeanette, and it's a snippet from a workshop he was doing where he, he explains how this works, and then he does it. There's another snippet where he um, uh, uh, gets a, a woman to do the exercise, and it's incredibly powerful for something that feels stuck. Um, and uh, but basically his thing is that we get so frightened of our strong emotions that we won't go there because we have this memory of just how hard it was. We've, we're frightened that, that that they'll overwhelm us because when we were little they did. You know we didn't have the wiring yet, but now we've got this very fully functional adult brain with so much more wiring in place. It's like the difference between he says it's like the difference between a four eight six and a you know. Or is it a Pentium chip or whatever? Um, so that 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 additional sort of processing power means that we can now handle anything, uh, but we have this fear of it. We think we can't. So he teaches a process, which is basically going to you go to the centre of the feeling, and you don't do it while you're actually in the feeling. Like you know, when you're sort of in the red hot moment of the feeling, that's not the time to do it. The time to do it is when you're feeling relatively calm and then you go and visit the memory that triggered that feeling. You visit a memory or an occasion that triggered that feeling and then you go and visit with the feeling. And you go to the very centre of it and he says, he uses the metaphor of the hurricane. He said you go to the very eye of it and there's a calm spot there and you keep going down and down and down until you find the the very core of it where it touches the ground. Um, and it only ta he, the process, the way he uses it works, I don't know, it's maybe three minutes. It's not long at all. Uh, and it's a really powerful way to uh, to kind of get to the center of something that you've been avoiding. Um, and so, and for many of us, it will be a specific emotion that we've been avoiding and resisting. And because of that, it just keeps coming back again and again. Um, I remember yeah, where I learned that, Janet. I learned it at GVCA in my coaching in the coaching module um, for coaching philosophy. Yeah, but I didn't yeah. know it, it was Tom Stone. I don't think I wrote that down. So thank you. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I, um, I, I just yeah. wanted to add about, about kids. I have an almost two-year-old and a six-year-old, and I huh? see that they feel their emotions so completely in that moment. And yeah. Because of that, they don't have resistance. They just feel that emotion and it passes very quickly in a whatever meltdown, yeah. tantrum, whichever way. And then the next moment, they're really happy as if it never happened, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's and everyone else. Feel it, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Feel it. yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, the kids who have parents who are kind of savvy about this stuff are really lucky because they're far less likely to develop any kind of, you know, uh, resistance to strong emotion because their parents know not to kind of jump in and suppress it. Um, 
and they will it, it's that balancing act between learning to learning to honor it without lashing out there's a um, Carla McLaren's book uh, um, on emotions is really good for this and I I, um, I particularly like the way she talks about anger um, and she says you know anger is the job of anger all our emotions have a job the job of anger is to defend our boundaries and so it's like the sentry walking the perimeter of our castle uh, if we're constantly flowing anger and we're lashing out all the time and this is my brother <laughs> then what we're doing is um, we're sending our anger out into the forest to beat up the trees. So he's not actually there to guard the perimeter. He's just out there making a mess. Uh, on the other hand, if we suppress anger so that we're always sort of swallowing it, we've locked him in the dungeon and we've, again, got nothing to guard our perimeter, which is when we get into complications like, you know, we use anxiety to try and fear to try and guard our perimeter, which becomes anxiety and leads to a whole other ball of wax um, but I really like this idea that it, by honoring the feeling honoring the anger sitting down with anger and saying what is it you what is what's the what's the breach to my boundary and what needs to be done about it we can find a way to honor anger without having to do the lashing out or the suppressing um, and when so when when we're sort of learning how what to do with these emotions as kids depending on the experience we have depending on the parents we chose because we all choose our parents then you know either they will teach us how to honor it or they'll teach us how to lash out or they'll teach us how to suppress it and and then we learn whatever it is we need to learn from that experience so uh yeah i think it's really interesting when you've got these kids in your house you know you've got this kind of opportunity to observe how this unfolds and and how those emotions when they're allowed to flow free but they're not sort of it's not like you're joining them in the drama and saying, you know, oh, isn't it awful and kind of expanding the meltdown or, you know how you can, as an adult, we've all had those people in our lives who love the drama. It's like, oh, tell me the worst. And it's not, it's not a healthy thing to have around. Um, so you're not going to be doing that. And you're not going to be doing the um, suppressing thing. It's about that. Uh, and we all of us do this as adults about teaching ourselves where to use our, emotions appropriately and, and and how to honor them safely yeah i tell that to my son especially the six-year-old because you know at that age they they do get upset and angry and i just let him like yeah. i don't stop him and tell him don't misbehave you're angry i just let him have that you know angry fit and it doesn't last long when you don't stop it when you try to stop it it actually yeah last long and most parents would know that when you when you try to stop it and tell them to conform to a certain kind of behavior it lasts actually longer and if you just let no. them have a fit within obviously certain boundaries you can't hit someone or whatever and, and it seems yeah. to like dissipate very quickly <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely and I think one of the things with dropping resistance is is getting to know ourselves you know it's because we each have a unique my way of, of honoring anger is different from the way my husband honors anger and it's going to be different from how each of you do it as well and learning that about ourselves is such a an important thing and I, certainly my generation we it's not something we were ever taught um we were never taught that you know what do you do with this thing um and i think that's changing a lot which is fantastic but, you know, the fact that we've got so many people who don't know how to do this is part of what gives us clients. <laughs> so it's not a bad thing from that perspective. 
I would think, I mean, obviously I, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, in the coaching business yet. So you obviously would have more experience about it. But I would think a lot of people, the people that I come across, just regular people, not clients, um, are not even aware that they are facing this resistance in them, you know, until it probably mm-hmm. becomes a disease or, or re- like you said, pain or sickness. Um, that's what I've yeah. noticed most people, you know. Yeah, I think that's a really good um, a really good point, Nikki, that, you know, that, and that's one of the, I mean, in some ways, this is one of the questions we might want to ask ourselves when we're thinking about who is our ideal client is, to what extent are they aware of resistance and to what extent are they ready to drop it and they just don't know how and then they're just wanting some assistance with that. Or we might only want to work with people who get it already and have their own strategies. Um, you know, I can't imagine that Jeanette's ideal client profile includes people with resistance or much resistance. I mean, it might include people who have resistance but are looking for a way to let it go. Um, but, but I think yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool bananas. So, anything else anybody else wants to add to the to the mix? Cool. Um, I think that's an awesome conversation. Thank you all so much. And um, uh, and Nikki, as I said, either either you will hear from Lisa or you will have already heard I from did. Lisa. Um, I did. Sorry, I, I read the email did. and I heard from Laura. It's just that her timing is three p.m. Eastern, which would be. Right. Um, I've forgotten. What would 3 p.m. Eastern be for Sydney? That oh, would be I um, five. That would be 6 a.m. in the morning the next day, yeah. Friday, which I'm fine right. with 6 a.m. and get up early. But I think it would become 5 a.m. once uh, Australia also uh, changes yeah. the clock. I, I think and 5 might be too early, yeah. so I just have to figure it out. Yeah. But is it okay if I yeah. continue this call until the, uh, the, the clocks change in Australia? Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with that. If everyone else is, I'm sure that I'm sure people will be fine with that. So yeah, no, that, I'm I'm perfectly happy for you to you know to to, to you know yeah, because it gives you a bit of a buffer to figure out what you're going to do about the mental group times. Because I know it's tricky, but it's um you know there's, there's it's just trying to find a um uh a, you know the least worst option <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Alrighty, um, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap up the recording. Let's see, uh, end, not terminate. I love the language that Talkshow uses. Like you're supposed to know what the difference is between end the recording and terminate the call. Yeah, there should be training for Talkshow as well, I think. Oh, there is. <laughs> like, there is. It's just, well, there's, yeah, there is training for hosts. I think my, I think my chat. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.